podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Did you forget my name? No. There just seemed to be a bit of a pause between and Dave Watson. It's called Suspense, Dave. Yeah, suspense. Because, you know, it could be one of the many other regular <laughs> guests we have on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just looking at uh, our podcast app, the, the one I use. The last uh, podcast that uh, we released was on the 16th of August, more than a month ago. There have been a lot of matches since then. I propose that we go through each of those matches now in full detail. (laughs) No, I do not. We are recording this perhaps for the first time ever. This might be the first time in 10 years or whatever that we've recorded in Newcastle Natter immediately after a game. We have, as at time of recording, we have uh, only about an hour ago finished our first Champions League tie uh, for 20 years. And we started with a big one, AC Milan away at the San Siro. Dave, did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, I really did. Do you want me to expand on that or...? I don't well, know if you, did you, did you, well. you. I mean, how did you feel before kickoff? Um, like, I think I said it to you guys that my heart was pounding. I was so nervous, so excited about it, and my head was trying to just calm me down and be like, "It doesn't really matter. We're three, five years ahead of schedule, and it's the first, it's the away game. We've got like these players missing, all the rest of it, just like." lower your expectations don't get too excited don't let yourself get too excited but fuck it i enjoyed i enjoyed it all i kicked every ball it was it was a nerve-wracking game but i really enjoyed it not a great game for the neutral probably but for, for those who are invested like us paul it was very very tense wasn't it yeah i think it wasn't a bad game for the neutral so at least there were a lot of efforts on goal just mm. only about only one of them by us, and it was in the ninety fourth minute. <laughs> and there, there were plenty of incidents as well. You know, there were plenty. Yeah. Of, there were plenty of things where the the only thing that, that stopped it being a high scoring game was the the profligacy of Milan, our final ball, their final ball at times. Nick Pope playing fucking brilliantly. And a few like a few of our lot just putting bodies on the line. I was in in the lead up to the game uh, during the day. I was I wasn't nervous, but I was thinking, oh, you know, this could be quite humiliating, or you know, that I, just just thinking it's AC Milan at the San Siro. But then when the when the, they were coming out and they were showing the team sheets, and I was thinking about it, I was like. AC Milan is a huge brand name, right? It's like one of the most, it's like in the top 10 most famous clubs in Europe. Mm. But their best player from last season has just come to us. <laughs> and they have in their squad 
I'm not. Uh, they have like quite a few Chelsea rejects. I'm not saying they're a bad side, but I was mm. as the side came up, I was like, oh yeah, it's not Maldini and Pirlo. It's like it's different. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not the AC Milan of, of old, and we are not the Newcastle United of old. Certainly not of. Um, Five ten years ago, so no, but they are last season's Champions League semi finalists. Yeah. They are. And I think the main two thoughts I had at the start oh. of this game was groups of groups of death are quite hard, aren't they? It's <laughs> the yeah. first one. It's like, oh yeah, it's going to be difficult. And the other one was just it just felt surreal. Yeah, it didn't feel real in any way. Well, what summed it up probably better than anything was Jacob Murphy's face. As yes. the camera, if you missed, as the camera panned along while the Champions League anthem was played, uh, <laughs> Jacob Murphy did nothing to hide his excitement. He's such a six-year-old boy <laughs> in a lovable way. Yeah, perhaps as surprised as surprise as anyone that he was in the starting eleven. But I think to touch on what Paul was saying there, that like it does feel surreal because even though we we deservedly finished fourth last season based on our performance, you have to say that like nobody was expecting us to finish in the Champions League spots, and for us to be there now, we're not. You look at the squad, and Jacob Murphy's a good example. We should have better, like a Champions League club should have more depth. Like you look at the players that they brought on during the game to 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 you know reinvigorate their side and everything. And it was they were good football, like Champions League level footballers coming on. Whereas we were bringing on like, with all due respect to them, like Elliot Anderson, and and that's not that's not lifting the quality level or. or it's a big old jump down. So it is surreal to see this squad playing Champions League football. I don't know about that. I mean, we, the, the statistic, statisticians have it that we, before a ball was kicked, we were the favourites to qualify from this group. Well, no, I think that thing was we were the favourites to get to the quarterfinals, but that's because we're the only one of the teams in our group that can't draw Man City in the next oh, round. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I've yeah. slightly misinterpreted that. Then, fair enough. But there is, there are, like, there are optostats that suggest that Newcastle United are, um, if not favourite to to get out of the group in one way or another, um, we're amongst the the top two favourites to get out of the group. Um, I think that I mean that's predicated largely on the performances last season. Yeah. Um, I know yeah, all optimism from me or from statisticians is not based on what's come so far this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did last year finish fourth in the Premier League. So, I mean, like, it's, we're not FC Copenhagen. You know. I think the other thing to remember as well, away games in Europe, like, they're easier than they used to be, but they're still very hard. Lots of teams don't get many wins. Like, a lot of Champions League winners have gone without getting any wins in the group stage away from home. So yeah. we've just got a nil-nil, uh, a point at the San Siro. We'd, yeah. I, I, we're not getting into the, the bones of the game yet, but like 
we've just got that. This could be our hardest tie in the group stage, couldn't it? Could easily. They were the sem- semi-finalists away. It's the furthest to travel in the group. It's either yeah. this or PSG away, isn't it? So, yeah. You'd say, that, yeah, definitely that going to, I think it, it is the hardest one because it's the first first game back in 20-odd years. It, there's a lot of inexperience in the side. There's It's the beginning of the season, so some of our newer players haven't fully settled in yet. I think, yes, 100% that this champion, this fixture that happened tonight is likely to be our hardest one. But I think we're more, we've still, we're, we're still, likely lose at PSG. Okay, so here's the question. We did get a point. Paul, did we deserve it? No. No, we didn't, did we? No, we didn't. We didn't <laughs> at all. The XG, I think they got over two. We got 0.1 something. Yeah. They were useless in front of goal. Nick Pope made some good saves, but I think you'd have been disappointed if any of those had gone in. I mean, yeah. They, they were wasteful. A lot of the game felt like the last five minutes of a, of a game, didn't it? From their perspective, they were just battering our goal quite often. It was that type of defender, considering we played Man City away quite recently and didn't see any of this, it felt like the Pardew season when we finished fifth, where every game you'd have Danny Simpson throwing his body at a shot <laughs> like it was a grenade. But I did, I did think that it was interesting that they had like some, I think it was like twenty five shots, and seven were on target. And of those seven, I would say five of them were, were like, you know, straight at Nick Pope. I'd be interested to see his the post shot xG when it when that stat becomes available because I don't think he had to make a particularly difficult save. No, he didn't make any amazing saves. Um. But they definitely created a heck of a lot more than we did. And although the possession stats were quite um, were quite equal, the they were dominant. And did they just seemed? I, I, it felt like to me like they always had an extra man. Yeah. Just, the, so what they did was they made it so that Calabria, their right back, he was pushing into the middle, which. Which like it just gave them that that extra man in that like in in the space in front of their centre halves, and what their goalkeeper was doing was chipping the ball over, and so it was it was evading our high press, which meant that they were able to like get more control of the ball higher up the pitch, and in the centre of the pitch higher up, and we weren't doing what we used to do last season. Which is putting them the their their fullbacks, their centre halves, and their keeper under so much pressure that they cough up the ball high up the pitch for us to, you know, um, take advantage of. Here in Trippier, did I feel like his experience was uh, very very valuable, particularly in the closing stages of that game? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that tackle. Uh, the uh, for him for him to win they, they were on the counter he from nowhere appeared won the possession kept it in and then passed it like got it to one of our players and we should have used that as a basis to spring our own counter attack unfortunately bruno put it straight out of play but like 
all through the game. He was he was everywhere he, he needed to be. He was finding pockets of space. He was putting in the little niggly fouls that never get you a yellow card, but just stop a counter attack in its in its place. His delivery from set pieces was all right, um, better than it has been. Um, I think I think he was. It, it goes to show like what what value experience has in this in this competition. Yeah, so, I think Milan showed their... Uh, sorry, go on, Paul. I think Milan showed their experience at this type of game. They were brilliant at the niggly foul. So anytime we looked like we were going to start a counter-attack, it would just be not enough to get you a yellow, even though they got four or five yellows. But they were... It just stopped us as soon as we got any momentum. Or we stopped ourselves a lot of the time. There were a lot of desperate... God, Felt like a lot of the time it was Bruno or Trippier having to thread a perfect like forty yard ball to Isaac, mm. who would just try and hold it up. And there weren't we miss a bit of the running we used to have in midfield. I think Longstaff made a difference though compared to recent games. With yeah, a bit I saw more Longstaff. Energy, but Willock's getting better every game he misses. I, yeah, I saw Longstaff getting some shit online. Just I think just because he's. I don't, I think people find it hard to value a player who came up through the ranks and, you know, is not a, 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 an international or anything. But I thought he was one of our better players, Longstaff. I thought he was the best of our midfield three, yeah. definitely tonight. She's saying something. Well, yeah, Tonali's I... not quite settled in yet, has he? I think no. that the Villa game might have weirdly set him back in a way because you just think, oh, this guy's oven ready. For this well, it team. might have been the the visit to Weatherspoons after the yeah. game. <laughs> he lost his will to live. He's like, well, okay. Well, if these are the standards required in this country. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've talked about uh, our right back. Uh, should we talk about our left back? Yeah, because um, I've seen I've on. seen Dan Byrne getting a lot of shit online, um, and not, in my opinion, balanced. I thought defensively, I don't think he put a foot wrong. I think he was defensively solid. He he kept that our left hand side um, marshaled. He didn't offer anything going forward. But then we need to remember a. He's a fucking centre back that we've played as a full back through necessity, I guess. Um, and going back to what I said earlier, if we manage to do that high press with everybody, you've got Trippier moving forward and you, you play that three as a centre, you know, those three and like Burn, Botman, and Shah as a centre back three. So. He, he wasn't needing to attack last season, but this season I think he, we need an attacking fullback, and he's not that. So I think the criticism he was getting was that he's shite, and he's not shite. He's just not an attacking fullback. He's not Trippier. He's not Theo Hernandez. He's he's just not that player. No, he's but definitely... we've had two clean sheets in a row, and he's been a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely deserves credit for that, and he's definitely not shit but it's not just the uh lack of attacking flair that you get from him 
he did also tonight. I thought give the ball away quite often. Not yeah. in, not in a dangerous place, but the but he also in our own half. We were we were finding it hard to like get moves going, mm-hmm. and it was often a case of either after two or three passes, someone either having to or deciding that they felt that they had to play some kind of killer ball. Yeah. That isolated Isaac. Or just a little bit of sloppy or maybe it was nervous passing. Yeah. I think Dan Byrne was the one who I noticed do that on the most occasions. You know, yeah. So. I think there was an element of nerves to the whole team. You could see it, like you say, with Jacob Murphy in the lineup. I think if you take that all into account, first game in the Champions League for 20 years, Eddie Howe's first attendance at any Champions League game as a manager or fan. I was thinking, (laughs) I've been to a Champions League. (laughs) I think to get out of that with a point away in Italy, it's really good. It's a huge... I I think it's, it's going on... Because we didn't play particularly well up top, I think... People are maybe um, more disappointed than they should be with this result because I think this is a really, really good result. As in the Premier League, if you can go anywhere and get a point, that's not that's that's good. You know, it's only like Man City and Arsenal who look at every every fixture and want the three points from every fixture. Everybody else should be looking at most places as like point away from home is a good result. This I is think most really, people would be happy would would have taken a point away at AC Milan. <laughs> I yeah. think that maybe there's some disappointment about uh, our performance. But like, uh, let's uh, have a quick break and then we'll talk a little bit more about that game and just how the season's going as a whole. And then maybe if we've got some time, we can all just talk about our feelings and stuff. Men's cool. mental health. Okay, let's have a break and we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig, and I'm here with Dave Watson and Paul Doolan. Good break, guys. Yeah, I sort of said that like I was on commercial radio. Didn't yeah, I? even intended, but like, you know, coming uh, up at the top of the hour, we'll be talking to uh, someone who thinks they know how you can get a dog to walk and learn some new tricks. I've not been there, but the San Siro looks like a weird stadium. Yeah, it looks like it's a very 80s. It is 80s, isn't it? Yeah, it looks very 80s and quite scary. Yeah, it is. Speaking of which, um, as we record, apparently, according to Twitter, Paul says that they've closed the Metro and all the Newcastle fans have got a two-hour walk back to the centre of Milan. It has apparently now reopened. Breaking news. Okay, so that's just like the Newcastle Supporters Club. But I think a lot of people would have started the walk back. Right. Okay. Sounds stressful. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if had a good day out. Well, it sounds like one person didn't have a particularly good one. At least one person uh, stabbed, um, which is awful. Yes, it is. It's, it's very Italy in Europe, is the thing. Yes. I, I think they're stable. 
Hopefully, yes. It did, Hopefully. apart oh, from the bad side of the fan experience over there, it did look a lot of fun by the canal. Yeah. Did you see the bowling? I yes. See- I saw the skidding on the in the water on the ground. Uh, did you see the man try to have a race with a rowboat? A rowing boat, yeah. Yeah, in the canal. Oh, I would. I'd love to go to one of the away European away days, but yeah, I neither can or nor deserve it. <laughs> you get the Eurostar away. So again, I think the Dortmund game would be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no but Paris is a shithole. I wouldn't want to go to Paris. I wouldn't want to go to the Paris Stadium, but I would happily go to Paris to watch the game with a load of Newcastle fans. I like that. Um, so it'd be quicker and cheaper for me than getting to Newcastle. I <laughs> <laughs> just slipped by there. Um, Dave Watson's review of Paris. It's not going to go on the. Um, on, on, the, on the literature, Dave, Dave's review of TripAdvisor review of Paris. Paris is a shithole. Famously, famously a shithole. It is. I mean, it looks it looks nice on TV, but Paris itself, it's a shithole. Wow! Wow! You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Let's just talk about the season as a whole. The last podcast we recorded after uh, the Aston Villa game, uh, and I wasn't involved in that podcast, but um, it's fair to say that you two were very excited. (laughs) I think you both upped uh, your predictions for where we'd finish by a a couple of places on the base, which I I think I would have done as well if I'd have been on that podcast. But it did listening to it from the outside. I did think I think we do this every single season. <laughs> but our first game, we like then extrapolate from that. Actually, I'm changing all my predictions, <laughs> and often our first game goes well in the last few years. Um, but since then, it's been a bit of a slog, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's difficult though because I think even in that. You know the the ruddy glow of that impressive victory. I think we were still saying that these upcoming fixtures are really hard, and I would be like, I can't remember, but I'm fairly confident I would have said I'd be I'd be happy with like seven points from the next from the you know from these first five fixtures. I'd be happy with with seven points, and I think to be honest, we weren't far off getting. Getting like seven to nine points from those first five fixtures. I think just that Liverpool game, it was a bit of naivety and a bit of, you know, their, you know, them being able to bring on what was it like nigh on a hundred million pounds worth of talent from the bench. Like nobody in the league has as hard a start as we did. Nobody. Those first five fixtures were unreal. And yet we've come away with six points from them and I'm I'm fine with that I think we've got them out of the way yes the Liverpool game was disappointing for one reason and yes the Brighton result was was like and performance was bad but 
Yeah, six points from those. I think we only got seven from them last season. So. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a very real possibility that the three games we've lost so far will be to the teams that will finish first, second, and third. You Ooh. never know. Brighton's a big shout, but I like it. I could see Brighton being top three. I think That's Arsenal big. will probably finish above Liverpool, but that fucking Liverpool game. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a while ago now. And, you know, we should have recorded a podcast after it, but we have been, and I apologize for this, so lackadaisical in putting out podcasts. But the that Liverpool game. They were down to 10 men for a long time. We were 1-0 up for a long time. Mm. We were at home. Well, I think the Liverpool game sums up so much of our season in that the first half, we still had our intensity and we looked really, really good. As soon as we don't have that, I don't know, just mistakes creep in and it's all a bit nervy. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the Brighton game. I, I mean, we're not going to be as intense as we were last season, and as it's not going to be that level of high pressing all the time because we've got so many extra games. But we looked. I don't know. It was a sickening one. The Liverpool game. I watched it in a sports bar in Toulouse with almost exclusively all Scousers. <laughs> Toulouse <laughs> must have a massive Scouse community. But we like you say, like we we won't have that intensity because we've got all these extra games. But not yet, not when we were playing those games. No, that's true. Playing the same amount of games as anyone else, and you know we've improved our squad. Um, but but the, was, the the midfield isn't quite working yet, is it? No, but I, what what I wanted to do about that intensity question, I was wondering, are we trying to play a different way? to kind of mitigate the the um the impact that these extra fixtures are going to have on us and that that different way just isn't particularly working right now like instead of playing that high press perhaps we're trying to play a more um more counterattack style or maybe we're trying to play a more um like relying on an an efficacy of pass that we just don't have at the minute like i'm i'm not sure but i don't know if if we're I don't know if that intensity is is missing by design or not. I, I'm not sure it's necessarily by to me. Sorry, it would seem like a strange thing to do to me to change the way we play on the basis of what could just be six extra fixtures. To me, it's not like we're in the Europa League. It's like, and we've added to our squad players like Livramento and Hall, young players with. Hopefully, a lot of energy. Mm. Yeah. And you, hey, guys, I'm just asking questions. I'm just you're just asking questions. Do you know what I mean? That's. that's I think what's been quite telling is the way, the way we press. Just, I don't think it is a plan because we're still in the right positions for it. But if you look at when Wilson came on in the Brighton game, who's suddenly closing down much more intensely than Isaac was. I think there's been a lot of that across the front three. Not from Gordon necessarily. He's looked he's looked very bright so far this season. But it just it doesn't seem to be there. Whether that's I mean we had a similar thing before the cup final last year with just a big fixture looming and it 
affected everyone in the build-up. Maybe it was just the Champions that, League first game. That. Maybe it's partly, here's some real COD psychology, but we are the team, we've got, we've, we've got eight Newcastle fans in our squad, people who grew up supporting the club, which is more than any other team. And I wonder if in the lead-up to the cup final... And in the lead up to starting the Champions League, in a weird way, whether that sort of weight of importance like plays. I mean, it's what a ridiculous theory to just come up with. But it might, you know, it might it might I mean, I could, I could understand that for maybe long staff and possibly Dan Byrne, but like Jacob Murphy. Hadn't played till tonight. All, I mean, are they okay? Fine. I don't know. I'm. I'm I mean, just. I think. I think in general, other than in the Villa game, it's just they, they seem a bit sort of disparate. Like they're not sort of. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of new relationships there as well. Yeah. I think if everyone was fit, I think how now would be doing a midfield three of Bruno, Jolinton, and Sean Longstaff. And bedding, if Sean Longstaff had been fully fit for the Villa game, I think he would have started there. Yeah. You never know. We might return to that. I'd also expect to see Almiron uh, return to the first team ahead of Barnes. Yeah. Um, even though Barnes is a, is a bigger goal threat, I think what Almiron and Longstaff provide us with is that, like, that that comfort, that knowledge, that that understanding with each other, I think there's there's no doubt that Tonali and um, Barnes are better footballers, but I think right now they just they need to be bettered in. I think that's why we haven't done that with Hall and Livramento. Why we're we're going to introduce them bit by bit is because we kind of we have that freedom. Whereas I think with Almiron and Longstaff, those injuries have kind of forced us to play Tonali and um, Barnes. Yeah. There's, a lot, of, uh, there's a, a lot of indignation, isn't there, about the fact that Hall and Livermento haven't been playing yet. And, I, you know, I understand that to a degree. But, I mean, Lewis Hall, none of us have ever seen him play. But in our heads, and I include myself in it, this, he is a phenomenal footballer. He's a special player. In our heads. <laughs> None of us has like really seen him play, you know, except for the odd clip. Well, this is it. I think he he was great in Chelsea's game against us last season. He really was. He he, he was a, looked a phenomenal talent. But people seem to think that he's going to necessarily recreate that level of performance against Liverpool or Brighton or or whatever, like, they they think he's going to definitely be that good. It could just be the, that he was a really, you know, a big prospect who had a really good game that time. But he'll, he'll they haven't bought him just to stick him in the under-18s. He's consistently on the bench. He will get game time. He will, in my opinion, replace Hall, uh, Burn as the number one left back before the end of this season. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. They maybe weren't the most urgent areas where we needed depth. You'd say like a right centre back, or if you look at 
our defence looked so all over the place as soon as Botman was out. Mm. That felt kind of urgent. But then Trippier's just turned 33. Dan Burns a centre-back. They're going to get games. You, they've been bought for depth and rotation this season. We can't judge whether that's been a success or not when we've not really had the fixture congestion and they've not played a game yet. Just, just occurred to me, depth and rotation would be a good name for a 1990s garage act. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But um, uh, I'll, I'll just leave that as an aside and we'll carry on. Uh, I think before we move off Hall and Livermento, one thing that I've, I think I mentioned in a WhatsApp group um, during one of the Saturdays, um, watching match of the day, it's, it's pretty clear that the top sides all have attacking fullbacks who get past who get past their man, get past the the the, the winger or the fullback and deliver crosses and are a real source of like creative um create creativity for the top top sides. So I would hopefully see Livermento and Hall as that that's the end game and might not they might not be their best this season, but they're they're young, so well, our next game is against Sheffield United. It's away on Sunday, which, to be fair, is a fair bit of time to recover, but they've got to get back from Italy. And the Metro was closed, so that's going to be difficult on the squad. Um, do we think that maybe one of them might get uh, introduced on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's. I think also you'd you'd see because Isaac started against Milan. I would, wouldn't be surprised to see Wilson start against Sheffield. Isaac, I mean, whoever was up front today was going to be really isolated, weren't they? Mm. Um, but Isaac's not had a great start to the season. I would say. No, I think we brought him off far too late today as well. He looked. Yeah. So, like Dan Byrne was getting really exposed, Isaac just not defending at all. It was sort of it looked like shades of St. Maximin, but I think he was just knackered. I don't think it was. I, yeah, I, think I thought St. Maximin was when he tried when he tried to. There was a pass on. He was on the halfway line, and he's like, "No, I'm going to do what I did against Everton last season. I'm going to beat six players." Yeah, yeah. I think. Um... I think that our, our biggest our biggest issue is the centre of midfield. I think once we get that problem solved, I think everything else just falls into place really, really easily. Like our defence is going to look better. Our our striker is going to look um, much more involved, much more part of the game. I honestly think once we can get. Bruno, Joe Linton, Tonali, Longstaff, whoever it is, that three, whoever it is, I think once we solve it, that's everything else just falls into place. Yeah, it should be solvable, right? Because yeah, got some good options there, right, Paul? Yeah, I think the the main problem is a lot of people who've not had much time on the pitch together. A lot of those triangles, like you, they're just new triangles now like before last season we think it was Trippier, Longstaff, Miggy that triangle's not really played together very much all our 
sort of main relationships, they've not really started games together. So it's it, these things take time. I think Tonali will be a first choice before long, but I don't think he's quite ready yet. And I don't think he... He's just positionally a bit all over the place. He gets far too far forward. He saw it against Brighton. Suddenly, there's no midfield and they can just play mm. through us. But well, I think it'll come. He's a top player. You've got to get their adjustable set squares out and start making some triangles. Exactly. Mm. I think against Sheffield United, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the back five stays the same after two clean sheets in a row. I'm not mm. sure he'll bring in Hall or Livermento till there's an injury. But I think, I think I think you'll see Longstaff probably start, maybe even Elliot Anderson. And definitely Wilson. I think he looked good again, by the way. Yeah. I think there were a couple of times where he looked a little like he got out muscled a couple of times, but that's gonna happen. But I think he had good touch of the ball, good awareness. Um Good use of the ball to, for the most part. I, th- I think he, he, he's he's a good option. I think to touch on what you were saying about the back five staying the same, I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they they named the first the same back five. But I just think you know if if we're two two goals up with an hour, like half an hour to go, that's when you you give Hall his his debut or give Livermento some more time. I think. The game against Sheffield, because we're quite fortunate that we've got a game against Sheffield, then we've got Man City in the League Cup, then we've got Burnley, and then we've got PSG. It's quite handy that we're, we're facing two of two of the worst sides in the Premier League this season in this kind of like compressed period of, of tough fixtures. Yeah, so they, I mean, you would hope that those out of those two Premier League fixtures that we've got coming up, and I would imagine that we will prioritise them over the uh, League Cup tie against Man City. Mm-hmm. You you would hope that that's six points, wouldn't you? Sheffield United, yeah. they've got one point so far uh, this season and they just had that uh, sickening late loss to uh, Spurs. Spurs. Yeah. You know, they're going to be playing at home. There's either going to be a reaction or more likely, just a real loss of confidence. And it's the same for Burnley so far. They've only got a point as well. Yeah. And, and and specifically, they've got points. Like, um, Sheffield got a point against Everton, which is no mean feat. It's, it's no big thing these days. Like, they, that's where they should be getting points from. And Burnley took a point from Notts Forest. Again, it's not, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not, it's not like they've had really rough run of fixtures, and the, this point has just been like snatched, like from a from a top side. So, I would definitely be identifying these two as six points. Yeah, so we, two yeah. easiest games on paper so far by a yeah. country mile. Quite I think the Man City game in the League Cup as well. That's probably when we'll see Hall and Livermento get a start. But that is, in a weird way, that's some pressure. Those two Premier League games. That's some because if we do not get six points from that. I'm going to start asking some serious questions. What like? Pressures for tyres. Like, when's the next fixture? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, how much for a pie? Um, no, you know what I mean. Y- y- yeah. It starts to look like a 
there are a lot of reasons, most of which we've filled this podcast with, a lot of excuses for the start to the season that we've had thus far. Mm. If we don't get six points from those two games, those excuses start to become harder to make. I'm not talking about like, is it time to start questioning the house position or whatever, or like, I'm not saying club in crisis or anything, but it starts to become a, a, a difficult start to the season. Yeah. It turns into a genuinely quite bad start to the season. Yeah. I think one of those two games will be a, in, in quotes, statement win. Wow. I feel like Burnley at home could be a good four or five niller. I think, yeah, I think Burnley at home, we need to put a marker down and put them to the sword. I think Sheffield away, it's a tough, it's a tough game because it's an away game in the Premier League. Like they're all, they've all got their challenges. I would, I would enjoy a thoroughly professional performance in both of them. Just a comfortable 2 0 win. Get the job done early, take the foot off the gas, stay out the game. That's what I would like to happen. Well, I hope you get it, Dave. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's leave it there. Uh, hopefully, now that, I mean, if the Newcastle United squad have had a tricky start to the season, then the Newcastle Natter podcast has had an appalling start to the season. Uh, this is only our second edition since uh, the season kicked off. First featuring me. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, put them out more regularly. But in the meantime, uh, thank you very much. It's been lovely to spend some time with you again. Uh, Dave Watson. Thank you, Fergus. Paul Doolan. Thank you. And you, the Newcastle Natter listener. Thank you. Goodbye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.